All right, so coming up uh, right now is the uh, Pointless Exercise Bears podcast. Mike Pusateri joins me, as always, to talk about uh, the Bears' win over the Panthers to go to 5-1. and one. And one of the things I've neglected to do at the beginning of the podcast was to uh, tell you where you can um, see Mike's work. It's at MikePusateri.com, M-I-K-E-P-U-S-A-T-E-R-I. Um, it's always nice to give a plug to the guys who give their time to do the podcast, and I didn't do it. So check it out. And now here's me and Mike. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's a it's a Monday, and it's the Monday after the Bears won their fifth game of the season. And if I had told you that we were going to do a, a, a podcast after the Bears' fifth win, you'd, you'd be like, wow, you guys are still doing this in December? <laughs> but no, it's October, and the Bears are five and one. And with me, as always, is uh, Mike Pusateri. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, doing good in sunny California. Yeah, way to rub it in. It's, it was snowing like three minutes ago here, which is just ridiculous. This yeah, this is a, a completely garbage year in every possible way. Now with October snow, uh, it's just what we need. October October nineteenth snow too. That's early October snow. Well, I lived in Traverse City, Michigan, and we got snow in September once, and no one was surprised but me. <laughs> I'm like, guys, it's September. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, sometimes it holds off this long. Like, no, no, no. Uh, no. Just stop it. Go in the other direction. But the uh, – uh, so the Bears went to North Carolina, where – I don't know if you noticed this. Fox, you know, they do their bumpers in and out of commercials. They had a close-up of the Jerry Richardson statue. Yes, that's not there anymore. They halt. They hoisted that thing off like Saddam Hussein after the uh, after the Second Gulf War, but somebody <laughs> forgot to remind the guy in the truck not to play that. So they had this beautiful thing of Jerry holding the football aloft with the two cats on each side of him. Um, on our yeah, did, on our did podcast, he just, did the, I'm sorry. Did, did, did with the guy in the truck just. Yeah, I mean, just use some B-roll here. Yeah, this I'm, would be fine. Well, I'm good. Yeah. If they probably Let's figured, this out. hey, what about that cool statue? Like, well, that's not there anymore. And, um, yeah, Mike Donahue and I talked about it on our podcast last week, and um, we felt bad for the two Panthers. Like, what'd they do? They didn't sexually harass anybody. Wow. They didn't tell anybody that their skirts were too long. They should be able to stay there. Just put, right. the, put the dirty old man in storage. And apparently he's in... The statue is in an undisclosed location because they're worried that it will either get attacked by people who want it completely destroyed or attacked by people who want to liberate the statue. So they've literally hidden it. I was reading all about it during the game because, you know, why not? Because I was so confused. When they showed it, I'm like, oh, shit, is that thing still there? And I realized, no, it's not still there. The sad thing about that is you can totally believe that that's exactly what why they are hiding it. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, right. honestly, the people who want to put it back up are probably outnumbering the people who want to smelt it down and make... They probably are, yeah. ...park benches out of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the Bears led from almost every minute of the game. Almost uh, stem to stern, nearly. Yes. And so you would have figured that they spent the whole game, you know, establishing the run, but they didn't. So how about this? The um, the Panthers defense came into the game allowing 
an average of 5.4 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery averaged 3.1 yards for the Bears. That's mm-hmm. less. I don't know if you picked up on that math. That would be less then, yeah. That would be less. Yes, but but you're going to say, aha, Corderell Patterson. How did he do it? <laughs> Corderell, about hey. as good as Ted Ginn yeah. has done yeah. on punt returns. It would be one eight, yard. 18 total yards this year in punt returns. Just impressive for a guy who just clearly just doesn't want to do it at all. It's actually 18 more than he probably wishes he had. Yeah, he is, he looks really disinterested back there. Yeah, so uh, Montgomery, with the 3.1 yards per carry, easily led all rushers for the Bears because Nick Foles rushed five times for four yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Corderell, one time for one yard. Terrific. Yep. So that was excellent. Yeah. That's it. That Bears rushing attack. It's, Nagy's really committing to it. So I did enjoy um, the Bears' defensive effort. That was fun especially the very first possession for the Panthers, which was um, Teddy. What was the first play? When did Teddy almost get the safety? That was second down. I still understand why that wasn't a safety, but it turned out fine because the Bears ended up with five more points out of it than they would have gotten. Right. And then Tayshawn Gibson was the next play with the interception. Gives the ball to the Bears at the seven, and you're thinking, yeah, at least we're in field goal range. (laughs) Yeah. And it turned out they were too close. They had to yeah. back up to throw the touchdown pass to Cole Komet. I'm sure that's what it was. So that was the first of the uh, very interesting uh, exchanges during the game where the uh, the Bears on third and goal from the four uh, had to call timeout. Mm-hmm. 13 minutes left in the first quarter. Good time. Good, good use of a timeout. Had to call timeout because they were going to get a delay game. Right. So what happened after the timeout? <laughs> I think they had a delay game. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's like, uh, it's like calling the fire department because you're going to set the house on fire and then setting it on fire before they can get there. I'm going to do yeah. it. I'm gonna, if you guys don't get here, I'm going to do it. Oh, now it's on fire. I'm going to do it. Uh, but then, so they back it up to the nine. That gives Cole Komet ample room to run his post for the touchdown. So that's probably what happened. They're in there. They're all in their huddle and like, ah, oh, we're at the four. We're too close to run that play. Well, yeah. just take the delay then, and we'll throw a touchdown pass. A little more, little more, a uh, little more space. I did. I did. I know you uh, were not a fan of fan of Vilma yesterday, but he did say, I think at that after the <laughs> after the delay of game, Nagy is overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. My only problem with Vilma was the. Uh, he was apparently getting a guy's name on the Panthers team wrong all the time. And it was really annoying hub. So I enjoyed that. Ah. I don't remember what the guy's name was, but hub is like, I can't believe it. And it's like, no, nobody cares. Hub. Even that guy doesn't care. Um, Robert well, Quinn, makes, Robert makes Quinn, I, like him even more. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Quinn, I think played his first really good game for the bears. And, uh, Vilma's like, well, he's been playing really good for three weeks. No. And so no. I'm like, I don't think he was. Because I remember just last week we talked about how the only stat he got in the Tampa game was he picked up the fumble that was just laying there after right. the big hit from Kyle Fuller. So I looked it up. In three weeks, he had a tackle, an assist, and a fumble recovery. Total. Not one of those in each game. No. Just one of those at all. That's spread across three games. 
So it kind of makes me think that Velma didn't really know, but he's like, ah, Robert Quinn's good. He missed the first game. I bet he's played really good the last three. Like, no, yeah. he hasn't. But that's fine. Uh, but it does show that when the bear... And then uh, whoever Mario Edwards is, the last two weeks, he's just beaten the crap out of whoever they've lined him up across from. When they get um, play from somebody other than Khalil, it allows Khalil to kind of smack everybody around, which is a lot of fun. Because I've missed that. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of that on Sunday. Teddy Bridgewater got a lot more of that than he wanted. The other thing I liked was uh, Vilma's um, right after the half said, uh, Teddy is not just a game manager. He's really, really playing great. Teddy at that point in the game had 60 yards passing. <laughs> eh, maybe not. Yeah, well, we we clearly saw who won the, the, the better than Mitch Bowl yesterday. And it was our guy, Nick Foles. Yes. Yeah, he was. Uh, he does. He does weird Nick Foles things. Started off great. Then went like one for. Seven. Something like that. He went, he went ice cold for a while. Through yeah. that tear. They had that. They had that god awful sequence where mm-hmm. <laughs> they get the fumble recovery, which the ball is rolling on the ground. <laughs> Akeem Hicks is chasing after it, and so is, I think, Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. If if Eddie or Kyle pick it up, it's a touchdown. Akeem, like, shoving them out of the way, gets the ball, falls down. <laughs> like, all right, well, it's not going to be a touchdown, but that's fine. We're, we're set up great. Nick Foles, first play, back foot, doesn't even know where he's throwing it, just completely mitches it down the field. It's intercepted. Uh, just a floater, floating it right down the field. <sighs> So then Robert Mays from The Athletic pops up on my Twitter feed, and he's like, that was a terrible interception from Nick Foles. But if you followed Nick, I'm looking forward to the fact that he probably won't miss on his next 10 passes. <laughs> he was four for four, getting them down to the one-yard line and then ran it in himself. So it's kind of the way Nick goes. Yeah. Uh, second week in a row that we got to mention of the fact that Nick Foles holds the NFL record for consecutive completions at 25. That's right. I have a feeling that's going to become the uh, – Jason Kipnis is from Northbrook because the right. Cole Komet thing isn't going to come up as much because he's just not going to do as much. Yeah, he's not going right. to yeah. score very often. Which brings me to <clears throat> why are the Bears trying to make Demetrius Harris a thing? <laughs> I mean, they were running plays for him, like literally designed just to get the ball to Demetrius, and he wasn't having any of it. He, One play, he's wide open right at the first down marker. There's nobody within 20 yards of him. It's going to be a huge gain. He just drops it. Um, later, they run this weird formation where they have all three tight ends in, and the play is clearly run for Demetrius to get the ball, and no, it's not working. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't. I don't get it. He's been on lots of NFL teams, and the reason that he keeps switching teams is that they, after you've had him for a while, you're like, well, no, he's not good. So we don't want him. Another former basketball player. That's the. That'll be in the notes as well for the next. Looks, uh, looks like what a tight end should look like, but if he's not going to catch the ball. And apparently, he also doesn't block. But other than that, other than the not catching and the not blocking, fantastic. He's really good. He's straight out of central casting. Looks good in the airport. Okay, so we had the sequence with the call timeout 
to d- avoid the delay game, get a delay game. Mm-hmm. Then we had the... Um, oh, we didn't finish that sequence. So we get the fumble recovery, immediate interception, Panthers get the ball back, interception, return for a touchdown. And for the second week in a row... Was the second week in a row or second time in three weeks? I forget which the other one was. Eddie Jackson's touchdown nullified by penalty. At least the first one, the penalty was on him. This time, it was on Kyle Fuller. And it was a dubious penalty because it was, they called pass interference for coming through the back of the receiver to knock the ball away. And then it popped up in the air and Eddie caught it. Where earlier in the game, Allen Robinson, like inside the 20, the defensive back was there way too soon. Like, Allen's head is snapping down as he's trying to catch the ball, and there was no call on that. No, no. Um, the officiating was not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Good. Good would be the word. Yeah, competent, I would have accepted. Yes. Um, NFL caliber would have would have worked. Well, it's because they sent Jerome Boger to, to the Battle of the Bays. What a, yes, that what a great game that was. It was one of my favorite. Okay, the only the only Packer games I will watch are the ones where they play the Bears and the ones where I I check the score and they're getting their asses beat. Then I'm I can't get enough. I have to watch. Yeah. So I watched the whole <laughs> second half of that game and just enjoyed it. You know, can we talk about the 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 Aaron Rodgers and the Jake from State Farm that commercial where where he's they're throwing the ball to the dog. They look like both of them look like they're they're secretly flexing underneath their teeth. <laughs> well, that that Jake is uh, it's he, he's a weird shape. He has enormous arms, but nothing else is big. You know, that's a guy who skips leg day. <laughs> as uh, as as my good friend Tony Horton would say, uh, he's only worried about the glamour muscles. So he's only doing. He's doing buys and tries and nothing else. <laughs> but yeah, he's surprisingly ripped. And yes, I have a feeling that Rogers, because he's so competitive, was like doing push-ups right before every take and like and actually trying yeah. to flex. You know, not very, not able to talk very well because he's right. he's trying to flex and talk at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna throw the ball. Yeah, I just started a rumor <laughs> that uh, Danica Patrick ran off with uh, Jake from State Farm. She went to the shoot and went, oh, all right. I'm going to go for the younger model here, Aaron. <laughs> and I'm taking that dog with me. So the the Aaron Rodgers stat that um, did not surprise me. The guy's played for what now? 15 years? Through a, through a pick six in the first quarter. 35, yeah. It's the third one in his career. The third. I mean, Mitch, that's a half for Mitch. Yeah, Mitch. Jay Cutler is like three. You're not even trying. Hold my beer. Yeah. yeah. Which, as I said before the show, makes me wonder um, why he can't throw a more catchable interception. I mean, clearly, I mean, he's throwing it behind the guy, something, and they're not able to get their momentum going forward to score. That's just, that's un-American. Yeah. If you're yeah. to turn well, it over, you know, do it. I mean, Favre, Favre was practically you know, blocking for the guys when they picked him off. Yeah. When he wasn't, <laughs> when, he, when he wasn't stacking himself. <laughs> Ooh, he's got a chance to score. Brett. No. Oh, Brett, that doesn't count for us. What? I don't know all the rules. Yeah, that's good. 
Uh, I remember um, when I was a kid, I don't remember what year, I guess the other podcast, Mike D will know this, but um, Bears beat the um, Packers 61-7 to in a game. And um, I remember watching the game as a small child. Gary Fensick caught an interception. And I couldn't understand why, because the end zone right behind him was wide open. Why he couldn't just turn and run to that one. I remember asking <laughs> my dad. Why can't he just score in that end zone? He's like, well, then that would that would be two points for the Packers, not for his own team. That's a good question, though, for a kid. Well, yeah, why, why take all that effort yeah, to run? Hell, why is he going that guy? way? To, yeah, those guys are trying to tackle him. Just try, yeah. there's, an end, there's a perfectly good end zone right there. <laughs> a lot safer, a lot less traffic over here. So um, that reminds me of a... <laughs> uh, I can't remember if we were freshmen or we were in eighth grade, but uh, playing basketball. And uh, one of the things that we forgot to do right before the opening tip was one of the things we always did was remind everybody on the team which basket we were going to. It should be obvious because when you're tipping off, it's the basket the guy who's jumping is facing. (laughs) But it's just like in Little League, we have to remind everybody how many outs there are before every pitch, basically. We always did that. We all, we're going this way. So we win the tip. And it gets knocked. It gets knocked back. The ball is on its way, is, is kind of bouncing down towards the basket. And guy on our team, Dan Cole, runs down to get it. That's not our basket. That's not uh. the one. And uh, he takes it and he goes in for the layup. <laughs> Misses it. Oh. Gets the rebound. Goes oh. back up for it again. I blocked it. <laughs> And he was—he turned around like, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm like, "That's our basket." <laughs> so we bring the ball up the court. So uh, we always wondered that? what that, how that counted in the stats. That's what I was just going to ask. I don't think I got—I don't think you're allowed to get a block shot on your own teammate. But I came up behind him as he was going up for the second one, and I blocked it. And then we grabbed the ball. <laughs> and I don't think he scored. And I remember he giving me crap later. You know, well, at least I could have had that basket. It's like, well, that's. <laughs> like Dan, we just had a meeting about this in the huddle. So now, do you know who would have gotten credit for the basket had he made the layup? But that it would have been the nearest yes. the player on the opposing team closest yeah. to him, right? Yeah. yeah. It should just record it as an own an own goal. It should. And, yeah. Just yeah. a minus. It's a, it's a minus two on your side <laughs> of the thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anybody's ever made a three at the wrong basket. I'm sure they have. Huh. But. Uh, Boy, I don't. You would have think we would have. St- That'd be memorable. Like yeah, we that, that, should be like, that, should, that sounds like something for the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center. Yeah, right, right. You know, if some asshole from Grinnell, probably, where they just they run that offense where they just shoot threes like a hundred a game and they don't even bother right. to run down and play defense. I bet you they they probably do that on purpose. That's part of the offense. All right, shoot at the other basket for a, a while. What how what purpose is that, sir? Yeah, maybe there's like a tape from a 1990 Loyola Marymount game or something. <laughs> Paul Westhead said, you know, this is going to revolutionize the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then the uh, the third ridiculous sequence of the game for the Bears was um, Carolina is driving on them uh, late in the game, and they have a key, fourth and two, fourth and one. It was short. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this is in the first half, late in the first half. It was late in the first half, okay. Right. 
and um, the teams are starting to get lined up, and you see Nagy streaking down the sideline to call timeout because the Bears apparently were in the wrong – they had the wrong guys out on the field. And it looked to me like Bridgewater was just trying to draw them offside yes. anyway yeah. while Nagy is sprinting down the sidelines to try to get that vital timeout. So Nagy gets his timeout. Bears huddle up, get everything organized. What happened on the next play? <laughs> they jump off sides. Yeah. And Bridgewater's got to be like, seriously? I, I, it's like, God, every, two our, shots at this? And you call the timeout, and I still got you off sides. Okay. So they're playing the Rams next week. And Sean McVay just wrote down in his little notepad, uh, encourage the Bears to call timeout. Because <laughs> good things happen to you after they call timeout. So, I would say these are not hallmarks of a well-coached team. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're looking for um, you know things out of the out of the handbook about things to do and not to do, these would be the not to do section. So, uh, the Bears are five and one. There were questions bouncing around: Are they the worst five and one team in NFL history? And I was like, I don't think they're the worst. I mean, because they have a really good defense. So it's not, I mean, they have yeah. they have things they can hang their head on. So the football outsiders guys apparently did a, they they did a DVOA, whatever, I forget what that stands for. but it's Okay. They ran um, a simulation or something or what? Yes. And I believe that the Bears, uh, the current Bears are the sixth worst 5 and one team of all time. So that's, you know, that's nothing. Something to be proud of, yeah. I hope I can pull it up here while we're. Were there any notable? Were, were any other ba- bears uh, on the list ahead of them? Any other bears teams? There were not, but um, oh, here it is. They are the one, two, three. No, they're the ninth. They're only the ninth oh, worst. That's pretty good. Um. Yes, the only bear team on the list, but that's because they they just not five and one very often. Um, the eighty nine bears were four and zero, oh, and on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I remember this. I was in high school, and I was like, "Oh, there's Harbaugh on the cover of Sports Illustrated." Uh, they started four and zero. Oh, they finished uh, six and ten, mm-hmm. and that was the season where um, Ditka lost his mind after a terrible loss in Washington, and he he singled out. Rookie defensive back Donnell Wolford as playing one of the worst games he'd ever seen. Which right, I mean, we watched the game and say like, he wasn't any worse than anybody else, Mike. No, um, but he said, "I don't know if we can win another game. If this team is capable of winning another football game." And did the football coach thing where he said football, you know, as if we were worried that I don't know if they can win another game of pinochle. It's like no, right. it's another football game. Right. And uh, unlike most things that year, he was right. They did not win. They did not win another game. Yeah. Um, that, okay, so, that was the, that was the famous Wolford can't cover anybody press conference. Yes, right. Okay, yes. and Donnell then turned out to be one of the better, yes. uh draft picks that they had for quite a while. Absolutely, um, very good player. the The worst five and one team of of all time, according to uh, uh, Pro Football Outsiders, mm-hmm. not that long ago, last year's Buffalo Bills. Ooh. They started five and one. They finished ten and six, and they lost in that ridiculous playoff game in Houston that they should have won. Um, 
1991 Lions are on this list. They were they went 12 and four. They lost in the first round of the playoffs too. Okay. 98 Falcons went 14 and two. That's the uh, the uh, Gary Anderson hasn't missed a um, hasn't missed a kick all year, and then he missed one in the NFC Championship game and cost him the trip to the Super Bowl. Good timing. Good timing. Um. 2015 Falcons. So the Falcons are on here twice. Wow, Falcons got something to be proud of. And that team finished 8-8. Eight and eight. They did not make the playoffs. Hmm. That's the only team on this list because there's two teams. These shouldn't even count, I don't think. There's two teams from the strike year in 87. The Chargers and the, and the Vikings. And I don't remember exactly when the strike was, but I think the 5-1 and one would have included at least a couple of replacement games. So yeah, those can't. aren't you, you no. can't. I mean, no, if, you just, if you had a terrible replacement team, but they managed to right. win a game or two, that could skew that. Yeah. Um. Or maybe the replacement team was actually better than the regular team. They got them to five and one, and then the real guys showed up, and it's like, ah, we suck. Right. They're the <laughs> only two teams on this list that didn't make the playoffs. That bodes well for us. So the two, unless there's a strike this year. Um. <laughs> Now, one of the issues with this is that of the, um, if they're nine, ten, eleven, of the twelve teams on the list that were the, that are the worst five and one teams by DVOA from nineteen eighty five to the present, none of them won a playoff game. Hmm. Yeah. And all but three of them um, were wild card teams, so they didn't didn't win their division either, which I guess makes sense if you're a It means well, the Bears are going to make the playoffs. That which is good, but uh, yeah, it's not a. It, it, there, it's still kind of incredible that we're after six games. They're five and one, and we're still kind of like, eh. well, but we're they're not. I mean, the defense, yeah, but it's not that good of a team. And Nagy keeps doing the stupidest shit. Well, that's the thing. Every I think, game, I think you'd like to. He's got. He's got his real his the closest thing they have to a real quarterback is playing. Yep. Um, they really only have lost one important player so far, Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. The defense is very good. Um, maybe not quite as good as it was in 2018, but better than last year. And it was still pretty good last year. Uh, they seem to have a kicker, and our buddy Frodo, Frodo Santos, yes. the guy who I've realized is is actually taller than a hobbit. Once I figured out the forced perspective of a movie screen. Right. Um, <clears throat> they have the greatest kick returner of all time. I mean, Corderell, if you need the ball at the 22, he can do it. There were a couple of times when, when the ball went, they kicked the ball through the end, the Bears end zone. I, I still thought Corderell was going to Just grab it, it and bring it out anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was funny because they, <clears throat> they were like, wow, you know, you can't let Corderell <laughs> run the ball back on you. It's like, yeah, I mean – He's going to break two a year, probably. Mm-hmm. But you're costing yourself, on average, field position by kicking a touchback because he's going to bring it out, and the Bears don't block very well, and he's going to get tackled at the 18 or the 20, yeah. and you're going to save yourself a few yards. Yeah. So, I mean, the issue with the team is that um, – I mean, they should be set up perfectly because you say, all right, well, this is a team that has a really good defense 
Um, their kicking game is pretty good. I don't know about how wonderful the overall special teams are. I think Chris Tabor is kind of an idiot. Um, mm-hmm. But you're like, okay, the, the head coach is an offensive genius. That's so, what we should really be shining. Right. So he'll figure this out. But there is no indication that he's going to figure it out or that he's an actual genius. He was genius adjacent. He stood near Andy Reid. <laughs> and that apparently was enough. Yeah. Well, a lot of guys get jobs being genius adjacent. Ask, ask Matt Patricia. Yes. That seems to work well for some guys. Yeah. Being uh, yeah being Belichick adjacent has, has not really worked except for um, – it really does look like Brian Flores in Miami is a good coach. That mm-hmm. might be the first of the Belichick guys who are like, eh, that guy's actually a good coach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the problem is you look at him as five and one, and I was kind of, I wasn't really kidding in the newsletter today about, I worry that this is the, these are the Cubs from this year. You get off to the 13 and three start and you're going to make the playoffs, but then you spend the last two-thirds of the season underwhelming your fans to the point where, like, I just don't think we're very good. And then they prove them right. Because it's, yeah, it's fun to be 5-1. and one. It's a hell of a lot better than being 1-5, but you'd like to think that it's actually building to something, and indications are that it's not. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought that analogy was painfully on point. It, it very much has that feel. I probably should have done the math as to what the equivalent in a 16-game season is of a of 13 and three in a 60 game season. They got to be pretty close to it. Right now. Close. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially in a division where the Vikings have decided we're, we suck and the lions yeah. are the lions. Right. So it comes down to bears Packers, but there's an extra wild card this year. So they're, you know, barring a complete collapse, which is not out of the question, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs. Yes. And you'd like to think it's going to be more than, um, well, they would never make them play the early, that awful early game on Saturday. The one no. that's always the worst playoff game. It's usually the Texans are involved somehow. Yeah. Um, they're going to get either Saturday night or Sunday night because it's Chicago. Right. And then um, go home. Um, so the, the frustration from the fans is we've got a chance to make the playoffs this year. How come we can't figure some shit out so we can do something with it? That's the frustration. It's not that the fans don't like the bears or that they don't want them to win. It's, um, you're just worried that not much is actually going to come of this. It's going to be a nice little second surge of the coronavirus distraction. And then, (laughs) then we're left with nothing again. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're not seeing a well-oiled uh, NFL offense or even a competent NFL offense, and that's the disappointment. Yeah, and it's um, – I don't know if you heard – Because, you, you know, the Bears – I was going to say, did you hear the Nick Foles impassioned I, I read. I read. Everybody was writing about it. So yeah. I, I, I read, I'm sure the words spoken were much more powerful than reading them off the screen because it didn't really seem all that powerful off the screen. But maybe I missed something. It's it's interesting. He was very. He really was riled up. And basically, what he was saying was, "We know that they're winning in spite of us. We know we're winning. It, it, we're winning because of the defense." And. Um, 
he kept saying, "I'd rather, I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty." It's like, well, no, the Bears, the Bears, they don't. Pretty's not. They either lose, they either win ugly or lose ugly. There's very, there's never any pretty. Yeah, Red um, Grange was on the Bears the last time they won pretty. Yeah, but he, it, it felt like it goes on for like two and a half minutes. It, it felt like a plea to just let me handle help. it. Ah, Let, just, like I got, I got this. Yes. I got this. Just give, you know, give me a sec. Right. Give How about we use the little headset as a way for you as a coach to make suggestions that I can decide whether I want to listen to or not. Um, <laughs> Cause it hasn't been lost on people that the offense really looks at its best when they play with a faster tempo and Foles makes a lot of adjustments. It's, it's actually when they seem to run the ball well, because he gets up there and he looks at it, it's like, okay, well, okay, I see where we, I see where we have an advantage. We might be able to run there, um, and I'm probably thinking, you know, overthinking it. But, um, I mean, they're limited because they don't have, they don't have any explosive playmakers on their team. They have a really good wide receiver in Allen Robinson, but he's not, he's not like a. Um, He's not a 4-2 guy who's just going to... But he's a really good player. You're glad you have him. Jimmy Graham, it's funny because he still he makes plays, which he didn't do in Green Bay last year. But you get a lot of... And Vilma said a couple of times, oh, you know, the Jimmy Graham I played with, he broke that tackle and gained another 40 yards. <laughs> so, yeah, we know. He used to be better. We know that. Yeah. But he's the best one we have. So knock right. it off. Wow. Um, so that's, cool. that's part of their issue is they're going to have to they're going to have to put together drives to score points because they're not going to get a lot of huge plays cuz Anthony Miller is a apparently a nutcase. I mean, we saw it in perfect example of <laughs> it, there could not have been a greater contrast. So in the uh in the Bear Panther game, the Bears run a play right to the they run a pass play right to the sticks, which yeah, whatever. Miller catches it. He's going to get a first down. But he circles back because he's going to break two tackles, and he's going to get a big gainer. He circles back, gets tackled behind the first down marker. They have to punt. That <laughs> was, was amazing. In Another the, great, amazing exchange, amazing play. In the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game, there was a play where Devontae Adams ran a square in right to the first down marker and literally would not move. <laughs> He and, and when the pass came in, he went to his knees to catch it, knowing that the line in front of him, because it was it was you know he, they had to like get to the twenty five. He's he's right behind the twenty five, knowing that's a first down. So at the very least, I'm going to get this first down, and he catches it, and he, they get the first down. And I immediately thought of Anthony Miller, who would have come running back for the ball, which is not <laughs> a terribly that's not a non fundamental thing to do if you can come, but he would have caught it and then not gotten the first down. And Devante is like, if I move at all, we're not going to get it. It's third down. We're going to have to punt. So I'm just going to stay right here. Yeah. Now, some of that, I know you can be a coach and you can tell guys to do that shit and they get out in the game and they don't do any of it. I I get that. But it's when a team is well coached, it's very obvious. And I don't even know if this, if Devante learned that with the freaking Packers, but at some point in his life, a coach drilled into his head that on third down, the most important thing to do is to get the first down. Whereas the Bears had a couple of plays 
where on third and relatively short, they threw designed passes that were short of the first down mark. <laughs> right. Which is a problem in two areas. One, you're not running the ball. Yes. And secondly, the passes you're throwing are not far enough. No, because you don't, you know, it's not like you're running these. You don't have Jerry Rice and John Taylor running these crossing routes where the guy's going to bust open. He's, he's sure he's going to catch it five yards short of the first down, but the passer's going to hit him perfectly in stride, and you know you've cleared out that side of the field, and he's going to run for, you know, the next 15 minutes, just unabated. Yeah. No. It's the bear offense. You know that as soon as the guy catches it, someone's going to nail him because yeah. <laughs> the bear receivers get open about, you know, a, you know, a little teeny tiny amount. Right. So you have to be smart enough. And that's, that's my biggest problem with Nagy is he, he runs plays that he wants to work. <laughs> like, oh, this would be awesome if this worked. It's like, no. You get like, okay, we'll give you three of those a game. The other 70 plays that you run or whatever number it is in a given game have to be ones that the personnel that you have on the field can actually execute. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just wasting everybody's time. Right. Is he trying to prove that he is this uh, imaginative offensive guru? Is that part of it with him? I don't know. My biggest complaint of the Dow Loggins year, I think he was only the offensive coordinator for a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was There's a the, lot, to, lot to choose from here, I would think. But was yeah. that the Bears didn't have an offense. They just had a bunch of plays. <laughs> and some of them were really cool. Like Dow Loggins had like three or four plays that were really cool, but they probably ran, I don't know, a thousand. <laughs> and the other 997 just were completely disassociated <laughs> crap. Yeah. And it when they hired Nagy, he thought, all right, here's a guy that's, you know, been in the, you know, He's been in the Andy Reid offense in two different places. And say what you will about Andy and his clock management and whatever. The guy knows offense, and his offenses have always produced. So clearly, here's a guy who's going to know how to put together a plan and stick to it. And a lot of times with the Bears, it looks like it's just a bunch of plays that aren't related to each other, that one thing doesn't set up another later on in the game. It's just, oh, this would be cool. Let's run this now. It's like, that's not the point. Whenever these guys come to the Bears, if they have an offensive background, they, they just forget. It just doesn't work. You go to Mark Tressman, you know, here's a guy, CFL, million points a game. You know, they always try to do this, and they just forget how to play offense when they get to Chicago for some reason. I wonder if maybe on the sheet, you know, his BU sheet, one of the other things should be reminder this is not the Arena League. Right. You can actually run the ball here. It would be a good shot. Now, uh, it's funny because I my my complaint my whole life had been that the Bears had such a – no matter who the offensive coordinator was, I mean, they had a couple of years with Ron Turner where they actually had a pretty competent offense. But for the most part, they it's, it was a team – Trustman chucked it around to his um, – yeah, it, only, it worked for like a month and then not. Yeah. But for the most part, offensive, Bears offenses have been boring and unimaginative and just run, run, run. So it's amazing to me that I'm at a point in my life where I'm yelling, you need to run the ball. I felt like I had seen enough 
Bears ru- rushes for the yeah. entirety of my life, and I wouldn't give a shit if they ever passed again, or if they ever ran the ball again. Right. But their inability to run, coupled with his complete disinterest in making it work, is a huge hindrance to the rest of the offense. Because, and it, it really feels like the last couple of weeks, especially, play action is not even a thing anymore. No. The RPOs that they were supposedly going to be able to run now with Nick because Mitch was too stupid to figure out what to do when that was going to be brought back in the offense. Unless unless he just decided that Tariq is the only guy they could run that stuff with, and he's gone, so we're just going to throw that out. The, the Not even the threat of running it. There are there are coaches who will tell you that you don't even have to run the ball effectively. Um, in fact, some would say that you can almost use that somewhat to your advantage. It'd be not, it, it, it sucks if you can't, like on third and two, feel confident that you can gain two yards. But yeah. when you run the ball, defensive linemen get used to lighting up your running back to the point where they look forward to it. And all of a sudden, a, a well-timed play-action pass makes brings everything open. The linebacker's cheating up because he's going to blow up your guy and somebody slips behind him and you get a big gain. But if right. you... If they're to the point where which which defense is apparently are right now with the Bears, which is they don't want to run it, and when they do run it, they're not very good at it. So we can play pass first and just react when they finally run the ball, and we're yeah. still gonna be able to stop them. Then that's yeah. not doing you any good at all. And it also feels like, and maybe this is, I'm sure it's of course it's anecdotal. It's not like I broke down the film, but the, it was especially apparent in the Carolina game. But I feel like it. It happened over and over again in Atlanta and uh, at home against the Bucks too. The running plays seem to be designed for offensive linemen to have to hold their blocks for a very long time. And if you have Our a op- bad offensive line to begin with, it, there's no way that's going to work. No. Um, no. Our offensive line does not specialize in holding their blocks for an extended period of time. So if you're going to run these weird counters where Montgomery has to start this way and go all the way across the formation to go off tackle on the other side, of course he's going to have to break three tackles to get to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, They never, ever run a sweep. They never run a toss. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, you know, I get it. It's not like, um, you know, the old Madden where – if you just, you know, if you just ran a pitch out, you could run your running back back like 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then run him up the sidelines for a first time. I know that we know that doesn't work. Um, but if you're a defender on the edges, on either edge, in a bear game, you can pretty much figure you don't have to worry about playing the run at all because they're not right. coming that way. Nobody no. is running near you. You can just play pass over there because that's not where they run the ball. And I no. just, how could that possibly, how can your offense possibly work? How can you ever get to the plays that you think are going to get you big gains if you can't condition the defense to go, oh, I've got to come up and react to this and then get behind? It's, you know, it's crazy. And they've got like, they got like nine guys who used to be offensive coordinators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are their meetings like? I just have a feeling that they, they all get on Zoom at the same time. And they're all on mute. And they don't know it. And they're just talking to each other for an hour. And then they're like, all right, good meeting. 
and they all think they got their point across and nobody heard anything that anybody else said. That might be the best theory going right now to explain the offense. Everybody's on mute. Everybody's on mute. The, <laughs> the offense certainly seems to be on mute. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and, and, and even, even, even so we're just, we're coming back to a theme too. We're as good as the defense has played and, you know, uh, Foles is, is certainly looking to be a, a guy who has a command of the huddle and, and it looks like a competent quarterback, but we're still every week is a gift or more from the other team to make this thing happen. Yeah. They do need that. They've had all the wins have had some, have been strangely, uh, they've been a through line and it's been important yeah. players hurt and then just mind boggling coaching decisions on the other side. Yeah. Or last yesterday with uh, Bridgewater to that pass to DJ Moore yeah. could not have been more wide open. Right. Buster screen, not even in North Carolina when this play is. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to bitch about with Velma was now Jalen Johnson probably had his worst game as a bear. He still made yeah. some nice plays. In fact, he, the first interception was because he broke on the ball and made a really nice play and not was- to Tayshawn Gibson. Yeah. But Vilma <laughs> apparently thought that Jalen was covering DJ Moore on every play. And most yeah. of DJ Moore's catches were on Buster because he yeah. was when he was in the slot. The Bear cornerbacks do not go into the slot; they stay on the edges, and it's either Buster or Sherrick McManus, depending on how many receivers you have out there. One of those guys is the is the guy who's going to is the slot corner. It's not Jalen Johnson or Kyle Fuller, right? And right. it was like, God, he's having a rough enough game. Don't don't be assigning him Buster screens fuck ups too, you know. That's True. Not well, fair. Jalen did not have a good game, although he had a bullshit pass interference yes. called yes. Right. And, One the, and they both they're pinning their Vilma, arms against each yeah, other. Right. Just let it go. And Vilma, I thought, did a good job of calling out what a ridiculous yes. yep. that He was like, Yeah, no, that's not interference. Yeah. Or Kenny, I don't think. Oh, and Kenny did the whole, oh, you're a defensive guy. You don't think anything's interference. <laughs> Kenny's sitting there the whole day going, I hear Doc Emmerich's going to retire. I'm going to be the voice of hockey. <laughs> Who gives a shit about Carolina and Chicago? Fuck this. I'm going to go pretend I flunked another COVID test. You can have Dick Stockton for the rest of the year. How are you going to like that, Vilma? He's like, what? Yeah. Oof. Oof. By the way, those two in the booth, definitely not six feet apart. No, they seem they've given that up, I think. Yeah. Although, again, last night, because the Sunday night game was in um, Santa Clara, uh, Al and um, Chris had to wear the masks again, which is just three hours of them bitching about the masks, which yeah. I still think is a ruse. I think they bitch about the mask because as soon as the camera's off, they take them off. And they figure if they complain about them, people will just assume they must really be wearing them. Yeah, I mean, why? Yeah, they're not keeping those masks on when the cameras are off. Come on. Nope. There's no way. Al certainly isn't. For sure. Yeah. Al's like, I don't know. Do um, you ever, uh, do you believe in miracles? No, I'm that guy. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I survived, right. I, su- I survived an earthquake at a World Series game. That didn't kill me. Yeah. I had this, your little fake, your little fake China virus isn't going to take me down. I don't need your mask. <laughs> you guys should be lucky to get coronavirus from Al Michaels. 
You guys ever <laughs> see Basketball? Huh? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he's mad that Costas got the, you're excited. Look at these nipples. Al probably wishes that was, actually, I'm sure Al doesn't wish that was his line. No. Al's like, I wrote that line. I didn't watch to see whether Al um, had anything to say about Joe Morgan passing. Uh, I confess, I did not see any of that. I was watching baseball. I did not see that. That game last night. Yeah, I don't know if he did. They work together, right? I'm sure, at some point. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I hate to sit here and complain about um, the best start in, well, since 2012. 2012, Bears start 5-1. and one. Don't make the playoffs. That did not go well. They finished 5-6. Uh, and six. And then Lovey. Wait, and the, but that team. 5-5. Five and five. They went 10 and 6. They're one of the few 10 and 6 teams to ever miss the playoffs. They, it was it was bad luck, really. And then Lovey got canned. But the 2012 team based on that DVOA thing or whatever was not ahead no, of No, they were not on that. No. They were not Oh, so this team is worse than that team. Is what so far. Saying. Yes. So far. Okay. Um Yeah, but that paved the way for for Tresmania. So it worked out great. It worked out fantastic for the Bears. Which paved the way for John Fox. The 2012 Bears were, were that was the end of the of you know the Erlocker, Peanut, Cutler. I think Brandon Marshall was there. I think they got him that in 12, and then yeah. So that actually was a pretty good. Well, they were 10 and six. That was a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this team should be able to go at least 10 and six. Now should be able to go 500 the rest of the way. The Vikings have packed it in. That's two more wins. You get the Lions. That's another one. Hell, you're already at eight. You just got to yep. find two more. Right. Uh, you get Drew Brees, who can't throw the ball six yards in the air. All of a sudden, the Packers don't look so insurmountable after yesterday. Yeah. Although, the Bears. Yeah, they're going to go to Lambeau. They're playing on Sunday night when they finally go out there, and it'll be the same old shit. They'll be up 21 nothing in the first quarter. <laughs> they'll haul. They'll take. They'll airlift Rodgers out of the stadium in a helicopter strapped to the backboard. <laughs> and with four minutes left in the game, with the Bears still up by three touchdowns, he'll come wandering in out of the tunnel, <laughs> lead them to 22 unanswered points, and win the game. Because that's our lot in life. That would that would probably be how it plays out, yeah. So I'm wondering if the Saint game, I would guess, if I'm Nagy, that's, he's saving the Mitch Taysom Hill package. The long, the long wait, we're all waiting for it. We can't, it's, I'm so excited, I can't wait. <laughs> he's saving it for the Saints, right? He just wants yeah. to like shove it right in Sean Payton's face. It's yeah, like, right, yeah. Look at this. Here's my Taysom Hill, much better than yours. Way it's better, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Trubisky was trending on Twitter during the game. I uh, for, I saw your tweet about that, but for I did no not... apparent reason because it's not like. Foles was not playing poorly. He wasn't no. playing great, but it wasn't, oh, my God, we got to switch quarterbacks. No. Um, just Why was he trending? Did we ever figure that out? Yeah, it was just people people on Twitter being assholes. So if you clicked on Trubisky and then sorted from latest, it was all, might as well put Trubisky on. I can't believe they bench Trubisky for this guy. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, shut up. Stop it. No one wants to listen to your crap. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about Foles. Foles is leaps and bounds better than Trubisky. 
yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, it'll, it's, it'll take an injury yeah. for him to not play. And then who knows? We may very well see the, the dawning of the Tyler Bray era, which would probably be, it's, it's just like an old one when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and that skinny little guy, Tom Brady came in and then for the next 19 years, the quarterback right. system, quarterback problems were solved. Same with the bears. Tyler Bray comes in. We got, remember, him in our we got him right here in the system. Already. I remember in like in 2001, and I know in 2002, I must have written 10 times. But, I mean, people forget just what an unspectacular college career Tom Brady had. Um, he, sh- he, shared, he shared time at quarterback with Drew Henson in Michigan. Yeah. Um, he was a six-round pick, just a complete non-athlete looking guy. Yeah. I guess he was a good athlete because he was a – he was also an excellent baseball player, apparently. But he didn't look like an athlete. He's one of the slowest quarterbacks of all time. Just He just is. Yep. He's just not fast. And when he first took over for the for the Patriots, and he played pretty well right away, I remember I wrote, I don't know how many times, I can't believe the Bears can't even find a guy as good as Tom Brady. <laughs> Which now you look back and you're like, all right, you were writing that about the greatest, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, there was nothing to suggest at the time that that's what we were looking at, except for the no. fact that he was good right away and just has always been good. Um, so who knows? Maybe Tyler Bray lurking on the bench is the next Tom Brady. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. So uh, let me ask you about Nick Foles or now. Maybe now. He's not. He's got is, grease back. <laughs> is there a, uh, one, is there a quarterback that Nick Foles has command. It seems to have command of the huddle. Seems to command respect. Um, if nothing else, have the Bears had a guy like that since McMahon? Honestly, uh, and this is going to sound like I think the only guy, so yeah, maybe since McMahon, that's like that was Josh McCown. Josh McCown, interesting. I thought maybe you're going to go Eric Kramer on me. His teammates loved him, and they were. He was more productive that year than Jay was. Yeah. Now there was another guy. There was nothing to suggest that that was any anything more than a couple of months of hey, he finally played competently because he ironically went to Tampa, right, to be the starter and was terrible and then bounced around and he's still. I think he's on the Eagles practice squad somewhere. I mean, he's stashed away. I think he's coaching high school football. And I mean, Philip Rivers must be super jealous. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> to that like, to do both. <laughs> how the hell could he do both? I want to do that. Uh, um, yeah, but I mean, it, it might right. Well, Foles should be, be a more. He's a, a a more a much more accomplished Josh McCown. I mean, he got yeah. Super Bowl MVP. Right, right. I mean, you know, how far away are we from Nick Foles just? Yeah, forget that, Nate. I'm, I'm, you know, I called the screen, Matt. Why'd you throw the bomb? Because he was open, Matt. I mean, how far away are we from that? Right, <laughs> just going full McMahon and just ignoring everything. Maybe sent you into the huddle. What I want is a camera. And we've seen it a couple of times the last two weeks, where McCown gets to the line, or uh, McCown. No, I'm going to call him that. <laughs> Foles gets to the line, and he starts doing. Especially this year, you can tell because there's no real crowd noise, so you can hear the audibles better. And he yells, kill, 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 
which means, all right, that play is off. We're going to run on this. And they've, he's, he's audible to a run that has not worked at all. And I immediately, I want a shot of Nay. I want his little, the red, you know, his, the top of his head turning bright red through the visor. And just like ready to explode. <laughs> like, I can't believe you audibled out of that amazing triple reverse that I had called and switched to a, you know, a halfback dive just because we had more blockers than they had guys, than they had defenders over there. <laughs> it didn't work. So clearly you should never do that again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the stuff that I wish we, the things we just don't know, like, um, you know, when a, when a play gets changed and why it got changed to what it did. And mm-hmm. um, it's ironic, too, because Nagy in his first year, one of the things the media loved him because um, after the John Fox era where Fox wouldn't talk about anything, he wouldn't talk about strategy, he wouldn't talk about anything, because God forbid he give away any secrets. Yeah. Nagy really seemed like this kind of open book. Like he was more than happy to explain why they were doing the things they were doing. Well, it it took the reporters like six or seven weeks of the season to realize he really wasn't saying anything. He was just he was talking and was friendly, but he wasn't really explaining things, which is fine. I mean, I guess you know you're the football coach, and we know football coaches are ridiculously secretive. Like the fact that yeah. he wouldn't announce who was going to play left guard. <laughs> Alex Bars or Rashawn Coward. It's like I don't think the Panthers really give a shit because no. neither one of them are any good. One of them's taller than the other one, so yeah. maybe that was maybe that's what it was. Oh, you know, you know, <laughs> right. Your leverage point's going to be different. That'll screw them up for a good two plays. But it was the same thing before the Colts game. He wouldn't say who the punt returner was going to be. <laughs> yeah, as though the Colts were going to spend you know an extra six hours that week. Yeah, preparing for the difference between Ted Ginn just refusing to catch a punt, just letting it roll, and Anthony Miller, you know, racing over to you know more 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 likely to fun. They would have had to have done more fumble practice with Anthony, <laughs> right? Like he's yeah. going to drop half of these because he's going to go field ones he shouldn't even bother. But Ted, he's not going to catch him, even kick it right at him. I still, the, no matter what he does for the Bears, the image of of Ted Ginn Jr. to me is always going to be um, the one of the first punts he caught in Atlanta, where he just reached up over his head and caught it like a pass. <laughs> he didn't even bother to get under it. He just like at the last second just threw his hands up like, "Fine, I guess I'll catch the goddamn thing," and then fell down. That's like uh, Ted. I don't think that's. I know you used to be good at this. I don't think that's what you do. Yeah, that's 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 we didn't discuss that play over Zoom. Uh, you were on mute, <laughs> Coach. Nobody. We, we had a special meeting for an hour. Nobody told me I was on mute. We didn't think it was going to matter. It didn't really didn't matter. <laughs> um, so. Um, I had an astute point, and I completely lost it. I forgot what it was. Hmm. Was it about Zoom? <laughs> I'm sure it was about – it yeah. had to have been about bear special teams, but yeah. uh, I've, I've forgotten what it was. Uh, <laughs> Pat O'Donnell had an excellent game. Yes. He had the one great punt where he literally, like, it, it nose first on the one and then bounced back a little bit. Those are always fun to see. That was cool. And then the last one – 
um, the 54-yarder, I it really looked like one of those, just kick it as far as you can, we'll take the touchback. That's fine. Just air it out. Yeah. Yeah, he bailed them out there when they needed that. He's been the punter for a long time now. Since Bob Parsons. <laughs> Good old number 86. <laughs> Bob uh, Parsons the, uh, listed at tight end punter for a long time. All right, tight he, caught, end he caught a few passes. He was not much of a tight end. I don't think. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's the first bear punter I remember. Yeah, me too. It was Bob Parsons. Um, I mean, I don't know who the greatest bear punter of my lifetime was. It's either uh, Chris Gardaki or Maury Buford. I don't know which one. Both were great. I guess. Uh, gotta go Maury. I gotta go Maury, don't you think? Well, I played the pretend saxophone so well in the <laughs> shuffle video. All right. Um, now, Bill Belichick would have loved uh, Gardaki because he was left footed. Yes. Belichick likes the left footed punter because it, it the punt returners don't see the ball spin that way very often. He always thinks that's a little bit of an advantage. So right. they always try to find a left footed punter. That's why there's 25 left-footed punters in the NFL today. <laughs> nobody... right, right now, Belichick's like, shit, I guess we gotta get a right, we got to get a right-footed punter now. <laughs> they all zig, we got to zag. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know what it was. Did you hear that the uh, Panthers had to shut down their yes. training or practice facility today because somebody's got COVID? I did see that right before we got on, yes. I'm so telling you, today, this is all a ruse so that uh, Bears-Rams Wednesday night football. There we go. We're going to break that barrier. I really don't. Like, as we're recording this, the Chiefs and, and Bills are playing a, a, an early Monday. It's like a Monday afternoon game. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I think this is a, I think half of this is a TV. It's like, all right, you guys have no inventory. You know, there's nothing. Right. There's nothing on. Yeah. Here's some football. You can sell ads for this. Hell, hell yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. Well, that point strikes a little too close to home. Andy, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure that's it. I mean, it's where I am, it's 348 in the afternoon, and we're in the third quarter. Ten minutes left in the third quarter. So um, what is – I mean, uh, <clears throat> my wife, we were watching the – we were watching something the other night, and the – there's a new AT&T commercial with uh, Lily. Yes. And she's like, this commercial looks weird. I said, they're clearly, they, the two actors were not on set at the same time. It's her talking to another. It's just two people talking and their eye lines don't match up at all. Somebody did yeah. a terrible job of matching it. Um, so as an actor, what is being shot right now? So stuff like that. I think you, prior to that, the, there was a J.K. Simmons commercial uh, for with farmers. Where like a there's like a guy. He's in a garage, and a guy shows up at the garage with something. Oh, yeah, that's I, one where he's like metalworking, whatever. And he's working. Yeah, on his yeah app. right. Right. Yeah. And they're they're clearly nowhere near each other. Yeah. Um, but things are actually now starting to get going again. Yeah. So things are starting to to ramp back up which is uh which is fortunate but it's been it's been quite a while because i know like like fargo was basically done when they but they still had some stuff they somehow had to shoot to finish they had for that one they had that they had shot it all and shot in chicago 
uh, except for like the last episode. So that's where Rock had to come in and the cast for the last episode. And then I think they had to do some stuff for like the previous episode, but they had that mostly done. So there's a lot of productions like that too, right? That have, that were starting were and were shut down and now have to restart. And then there's stuff that was supposed to shoot that hasn't gotten started yet. And so you're getting a lot of stuff that's kind of going, starting to go like all at once now, which will present its own sort of challenges. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like next year, all of, all the big movies have been pushed into 2021. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say, oh, well, it'll work out because the 2021 movies haven't been, they haven't been shot. So everything just gets pushed back a year. But inevitably, we're just going to have a glut at some point of here's all the here, all the big movies. We don't have enough weekends to premiere them all on. So some are going to have to go head to head with each other. And then everybody's going to be pissed off about the box office and we didn't make our money back and screw this. Yeah. And- well, that'll be a good problem to have. <laughs> but it's it's getting complicated because, you know, you have guys, you know, or um, you have stars that are committed to different shows, different projects at different times. So if you're, you know, booked on, if you're the, the lead actor or actress on a show that is, you know, um, that is shooting right now, um, but you have something booked in November, you, you know, then you have all that, all that sort of stuff has to be worked through. Yeah. I don't know. Were you going to be in the, were you cast in the Tom Cruise space movie where he was actually going to go up? Cause now they're saying that might not happen, but honestly, that seems like the safest movie to shoot. Yeah. That, that probably would be. Yeah. yeah. So I think that I get it. I think all, everything probably goes to space. <laughs> Elon Musk will be thrilled. Yeah. So if they do a, a fresh off the boat reunion show and they It'll need a, and they need a nutcracker salesman, it's going to be nutcrackers in space. <laughs> we, we will do that from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay, well the the uh, the flight to Mars is going to take two and a half years, and then <laughs> we got you for two days, right? And then two and a half years back. I'll take it. That's fine. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we can't pay you for the travel. <laughs> That's right. Can you chip in for rocket fuel? <laughs> like, uh, no, I can't. All right. Well, you know, the Bears are in L.A. next week, so it seemed like a perfect time to talk uh, the state of the TV and movie industry. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, so um, the if, you were, if you're optimistic about the Bears, which I'm trying to be, I'm just having a hard time. I'm waiting for any sign, any little sign, I am willing to hop on, not just hop on the bandwagon, I'm willing to drive it. So, like, <laughs> one competent half of offensive football, and I, you're not going to be able to talk me out of the Super Bowl. Um, but a couple of good things happened this weekend, other than the Bears winning again, which is the most important thing. The Packers got the, didn't just lose, they got their asses kicked by a team that the Bears the week before had exposed as undisciplined frauds. Right. The, the Saints couldn't get out of their own way. They were holding, they were jumping off sides, they were doing all this stuff. They played the Packers uh, yesterday, only the second game in franchise history without a penalty. Ever. And they didn't have a penalty or a turnover, which is which has only happened a handful of times in NFL history. Right. Uh, the other good thing was now the Bears are playing the Rams this week. The Rams 
we're four and one, and everybody's like, holy shit, the Rams are back. Well, the 49ers slapped them around last night. The Niners did get Jimmy Garoppolo back, although a lot of people tell you that's not really that much of an advantage. Right, right. Which is, I don't, every time he has a good game, it screws up my, you're going to be the starting quarterback next year for the Bears, but I still think it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> so the Rams, who the Bears play this week, suddenly look like maybe they're not as good as everybody thought. Although under closer inspection, shouldn't people have realized, I think three of the four Rams wins are against the NFC East? A division so bad that the two-win Cowboys are going to be in first place tomorrow, whether they win tonight or not. Ooh. Yeah. The East is not good, and that's who the Rams have not been good. feasting on. I think their one loss previous to that was Buffalo, who actually might be good. It might um, be. Yeah. But the Rams basically handed that game away. So, right. So who knows? Maybe 6-1. and one. Then you get the, Then you get the Saints, and you, you throw up Taysom Trubisky. They can't stop that. The bad right. defense ought to have fun uh, playing against a team that their quarterback can't throw the ball five yards in the air. That could also be interesting. I have problems. Every time I, every time the, I see the Saints, I get the same pang that I get when the Bears, when you see the Chiefs or the Texans and you see Patrick Mahomes or you see um, Deshaun Watson. And you think, right. oh, we got Mitch instead of them. Every time I see the Saints, it's a reminder to me that uh, Ryan Pace went into that draft going, what we really need is a running back who can catch passes out of the backfield. And he <laughs> drafted uh, a five-foot, five-inch guy from Division Three or whatever, Division Two, I guess. Yeah. And a few picks later, the Saints took Alvin Kamara, <laughs> yeah. who might be the greatest receiving running back in NFL history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. And it was ironic that it was his old team that drafted him. Yes. Pace, Pace's old team. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. that's one of the files he forgot to steal. <laughs> forgot to hit. He forgot to hit Control C on that yeah. folder. On that one. Didn't take Kamara, but did take Tariq, who, you know, we all love Tariq. He's, he's adorable. He's only got one leg now. Which is probably that's, not great for a guy who end. relies yeah. completely on speed. speed. But, yeah. So I was going to look see what the line is. Now, what are we up to? Week seven already? Good lord! Now time flies. Well, of course it's snowing out. It's got to be week seven. <laughs> That's not the right thing. Good thing I pulled this up before. Uh, there it is. Vegasinsider.com, the official sponsor of the. Oh, no, they're not. They're not official no. sponsor of podcast. <laughs> podcast has no sponsors. Ooh. Well, if you go shopping, now I guess it's consensus is um, Rams by five and a half. That seems like a lot. It does, considering that you know two relatively, I think two relatively evenly matched teams. Mm-hmm. Um, the I am a little concerned that the uh, that the Bears have any three guys can block Aaron Donald at one time. I'm not sure they have that, but uh, they're going to probably want to, or we are going to see Mitch because yeah, yeah, you know, he will. Nick Foles oh. will have been tossed into a garbage can. 
a broken like. leg. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm not, I would not have much fear of the great Jared Goff against the Bears defense. So. No, they could have. They could have. Bears defense could have a lot of fun against a uh, Jared Goff. As a matter of fact, you could see that happening. So five and a half over under forty three six. Oh, 46. 46. Okay. Yeah, the fast turf of beautiful SoFi Stadium. Uh-huh. Right. So we all remember the last time the Bears went to L.A. That was just last year on a Sunday night. And that was the game where Mitch got benched and then Nagy lied and said he didn't bench him. <laughs> but he wasn't. He didn't take the snaps at the end of the game. No, he wasn't benched. Well, why wasn't he in? Well, I didn't bench him. Like, all right. Well, what was he? Was he hurt? I didn't no. mention him. Okay. It's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. He's he's the mas- master of master of uh manipulating the media. So it used to be that I thought that the they would always tell the stories about how Nagy after his arena football league career dried up um was selling real estate. <laughs> and then got an offer from the Eagles to be like a volunteer coach or whatever. And he, he took it mm-hmm. and I was thought, oh, that's a clever story. But now I think about it and I uh, remember that uh, Mike Matheny sold real estate so efficiently that he was broke and had to take the job with the Cardinals. And I don't <laughs> like any, any parallels where you can compare any coach of a team I, I root for with Mike Matheny. I just, yeah. I'm not, not happy about that. Uh, understandably so, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I certainly think the Bears ought to be able to cover. I can see this being a field goal game. and um, Definitely. The bright lights, they get all excited about playing a game in front of Steve Levy and Brian Greasy and Louis <laughs> Riddick. I mean, who doesn't? It's funny yeah. that, that I don't know how much of the how, how much Monday Night Football you've watched this year, but um, that booth is getting a lot of um, faint praise. Basically, what people are saying is, well, they're a lot better than <laughs> than Joe Tessitore, Booger McFarlane, and then for one year, Jason Witten were. Yeah, uh, it's like yeah. I mean, any you could have picked three assholes off the street and that would have been better than that. Um, I do think they're pretty good. Greasy to me is, I mean, he's, I don't know why he's there. Yeah. I think you could, I always like Lewis Riddick. I think he's, I think he's smart. He explains things well. And it's funny. They were like, well, he put him in the booth. He's just, he's a, uh, a front office guy. What's he know? He played defensive back in the NFL. For years, yeah. So I think that qualifies. That yeah, qualifies, right? Yeah. It's not. This isn't Tony Kornheiser or Dennis Miller. This is yeah. an actual right. football player who has been a player. He's been a coach, and he's worked in a front office. I would think that's kind of valuable insight, and he's pretty good at it. And, it's, um, and then Levy's pretty good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll be nice to see. I'm sure the Bears players will be just probably awestruck at the. <laughs> Probably, it's yeah. The, the sheer wattage of celebrity that's up there in the booth. But yeah, yeah, they'll be awestruck at the celebrity that could be there in person but won't be. Yeah. So you were saying you would you would have been at this game had yeah. uh, had fans been allowed. 
Yes, yes. We're planning this, uh, my buddy and I, over a year ago. Or, no, it couldn't have been a year ago. Whenever the schedule came. Yeah. Well, a long time. We're like, all right, this will be great. Not yeah, I think right after the season ends, you know who, you know who they're going to play. You just at first you don't know when the games are going to be. Right. Um, but yeah, that would have been awesome because that stadium sure looks amazing. So, do they have the Rams and Chargers don't have their own field, right? Or do they? Do they pull one out? Like the you know, in Arizona, they literally pull the field out and give it a little sun once in a while and tuck it back in. I don't <laughs> remember that I heard that. I don't think they do. I don't think I they don't have think like uh, two sets where they yeah, – that would seem a little extravagant. Yeah. But, um, I don't – no, I don't think so. I think the field can sink, and then they can like they can like close these big doors over it to have concerts and stuff. And not have to squish the grass and I then pull it up. Right. Yeah, I think that's what it is. There's some funky thing that happened. I mean, it only cost like one point something billion dollars to build. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should be able to have a, a concert without ruining the field somehow. And then does it have a? It has a roof, but it's really more like a. I mean, it's open on both ends. Yeah, you don't really need it. A roof <laughs> no. out here. Yeah, because you can pretty much tell like what you know what time all six times a year it's going to rain. Yeah, it's going to rain for twenty minutes uh, next Thursday. So <laughs> yeah, don't right. schedule anything. It was like Len Casper. I was used to joke that um, the uh, Marlins could never take batting practice because nobody there could figure out that it was going to rain at six o'clock for twenty <laughs> minutes every night in Miami. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, guys, maybe we should probably have batting practice a half hour earlier what <laughs> yeah so yeah, it'll be that's yeah, too bad but uh you know i'm sure i'm sure the bears will be back uh i'll see two years in a row so they'll be back in 20 years probably <laughs> yeah probably that'll be terrific but there's got to be well, a, have they announced when the super bowl is going to be there because that's that's when i'm sure the bears will be back I, well, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it could be a playoff game this year. That's possible. It could. It could come back for that. And we all know that had uh, Cody Parkey uh, only single doinked it and not double doinked it, that the Bears were going. Is that right? That's not right. Were the Bears going to play the Rams? Yes, the Bears were going to LA to play the Rams, but because the Eagles won. They were the they were the six seed instead of the three seed. They went to New Orleans instead, and I think the Rams played the Cowboys. So that they would right. have already they would this. Um, and then the playoff projection that I saw last week, it's always good after five weeks to see playoff projections. Uh, it would have been Bear, Bears would have gone to the Superdome mm. to play Weenie Arm Drew Brees. <laughs> um, that's a team that needs to get home field. Because if if Drew has to go to Lambeau or Soldiers Field, that's going to be a little tougher in the outdoor in, in December. It's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. And then I saw the NFL announced that they had to move the uh, they had promised 
the Saints Super Bowl 58. I don't remember. I don't know when that is. Next year? Year after next? Who knows? They had to push it back a year because they're going to the 17 game ske- schedule, which pushes everything back a week. Mm. The Super Bowl was going to happen on the Sunday before Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the people that, apparently the like the cops and stuff in New Orleans are like, um no. can we not do that, please. <laughs> yeah. So oh, they moved it and they haven't announced who's getting that Super Bowl, but everybody knows it's going to Vegas. Right. That was it's like a a barely hidden um thing is that they will eventually just announce that the Super Bowl's going to Vegas. So Right. I love the fact that the uh Apparently the the dome in Vegas is very nice, um, but it's the it's the Allegiant Allegiant Field I think is what they call it, and it's the Allegiant Airlines. If you've <laughs> ever flown Allegiant Airlines, it's basically like a a bucket that someone slingshots <laughs> into the air. I could not think of a lower quality thing to slap on the side of um, of a stadium <laughs> than Allegiant. Uh, but uh, well, this will the stadium will turn it around for him, I'm sure. So, <laughs> I, that stadium was originally supposed to be Farmers Field. So, did SoFi buy Farmers, and is that why it's SoFi? Because Farmers uh, Insurance that was going to be the original name of the stadium, it was going to be Farmers Field, and then all of a sudden it was SoFi. And I just assume that whatever Southern Financial, whatever SoFi is bought hmm. a bunch of shit and part of it was farmers and said they're going to put their own name on the it's not unlike whatever the whatever telephone company is now the name of the of uh what used to be Pac Bell Park right the name right. would change just because the name of the company would change and they'd have to re, they'd have to redo the sign again i'm just waiting for them to change the name from sofi to gallagher way stadium that's got to be in the offing. I would think. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things about the uh, the Ricketts family was so prepared uh, when they bought the Cubs. They, In their prospectus, they had all these things that they were going to do to monetize uh, their purchase. And one of them was they were going to sell naming rights to Wrigley Field. And hmm. one of their consultants said, um, I think you've overvalued what the naming rights to the stadium are. And they're like, they had put like $30 million on what they were going to, 30, $30 million for like six years or something. That's what we're going to charge some company. Yeah. And they're like, well, we did, we thought that was pretty conservative. He's like, well, here's the problem. Your naming rights to your stadium are worthless. <laughs> because no one's ever going to call it anything but Wrigley Field. Yeah, right. So n- you're not going to get anybody to pay you for it. Because really all you're selling then is a sign, a billboard on the side of the f- stadium. <laughs> that no one will ever call it that. Yeah. And if they ever needed an example of how that's true, um, does anybody ever call the Sears Tower anything but the Sears Tower? No. And it is not the Sears Tower and hasn't been the Sears Tower for a decade. A long time. Yeah. At least. I don't even know if it's still Willis. I think it is. It might not even be that anymore. It might not. Yeah, it might not and even be. And nobody gives a shit because it's always no. the Sears Tower. The Sears Tower. So Wrigley Field is always going to be Wrigley Field. Yes. Now, I personally would have gone to the Wrigley people and said, all right, you better pay up 
because we've been giving all this free advertising for years. We're gonna we're gonna slap another name on the stadium. Yeah, and see, see what you see what you can get out of them, and if you know if they're savvy enough to go fuck you, we're not giving you anything. Then you're like, all right, screw it, we're screwed. <laughs> Michael, how much do we have to pay to be the the Wrigley Spearmint Gum Field? So I'm one one more bit of Arcania. Arcania is that a word? So um, Augustus Bush, the second maybe, I forget which Gus Bush this was. Um, they run together. The uh, the Cardinals were f- tired of Sportsman Park and decided they were going to build a new stadium. Mm-hmm. And they told Major League Baseball that they were going to name it Budweiser Field. And this is, shows how much things have changed. Major League Baseball threw a fit. I said, you can't name the stadium after a product. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we don't do that. You are prohibited from it. And Gus, Gussie Bush is like, all right, fine. What if we name it Bush Stadium after the family? And they're like, that's acceptable. He's like, okay, fine. We're going to name it Bush Stadium. <laughs> First thing he did was he called the brewery and he said, uh, we're, we're coming up with a new beer. <laughs> and that's literally the reason there's a Bush beer. They said, good. fuck it. If you, if you won't let us name the stadium after the beer, we'll name the beer after the stadium. That's pretty good. Yeah. Major League Baseball always so far ahead of yes, its time. Right. Guy, why would you be able to monetize the name of the stadium you play in? Yeah. And now every every one is a freaking is a NASCAR. I mean, it's just it might as well yeah. have. I'm amazed that they're the stadiums have still only have one product name. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. I'm sure that's coming. Yeah. I mean, we're already. The other weird thing, I guess I have one more thing. So the NFL has they allow teams to put a team or a, a product logo on their practice jerseys. Why does that have any value? Hmm. Because NFL teams don't allow cameras to shoot anything in a practice. So you pay them to put your logo on their practice jersey, and then they don't let anybody show anything. With your logo on, so I don't get it. Uh, skybox tickets. I don't know. Is that what you get for that? Well, yeah, but still, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I could just buy a fucking skybox too. I'm... Well, but then you're not. You're an official sponsor. Oh, that's year. true. They're paying. No, I'm paying for it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, we're. An I don't even know who. I think it's Atletico. I think that's who's on the bear jerseys. I'm surprised they even know who it is. <laughs> but at some point it's it'll be we're getting we're getting close to European soccer where yeah like the main logo on the jersey is going to be the sponsor and then just a little patch somewhere with like the team seal on it and that's all you're going to get uh let's hope not yeah all right all right well, so uh so bears rams next monday you get a whole, you get a sunday to yourself you can watch whatever you want Exciting. I guess we just had that last Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say a couple in a row. Or not in a row, but yeah. Extra day to prepare. That's right. I'm sure. Yeah. The, and the podcast will be, we'll reflect it. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, sure will. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks, we'll Mike. Thank you. We'll see you, see you next time. Many of us have herpes. <laughs> 